All right, let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you for today. Uh, Lord, you're good to us. Um, it's chilly outside, Lord, but um, we know that um, it just reminds us uh, of you uh, as you uh, just kind of are, are constant. Uh, it's uh, The seasons are, are constant, Lord. You're constant. Um, we know what's coming. Uh, just like when we read your word, we know what's coming. And so, Lord, we do um, just praise you for that. We praise you for all the things that are going on. I pray for Pastor Brian as he's uh, uh, teaching at a conference this weekend. And uh, a lot of things happen. And there's a, a huge amount of people from HBF at, um, at in Monmouth right now just uh, taking care of their kiddos so they can all come together as one body to hear the word. We pray for uh, just uh, their conference, uh, Mike Blake is the pastor of that church and everything that's going on we pray for the baptisms today uh, just the public professions of faith that are going to go on and uh, just exciting for those young people uh, that are uh, just taking that step of faith and uh, Lord, we do pray you just speak to us today. There's a lot of things uh, going on even in the lives of the people of Pass Point, and I uh, pray that you would just get the honor and the glory as we uh, jump back into your word. I pray you would speak to us. Uh, it wouldn't be my things, but it would be your things. And uh, Lord, we just uh, we just stand in awe of you because uh, you are uh, the reason uh, that we're here and that we uh, come together. So I pray that you would just speak to us today in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so uh, last week we got started on 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And uh, we didn't get very far as normal. Um, that's just what happens. But uh, I think we're going to finish up this section, not the chapter, but this section, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And so uh, I don't want to reteach it, but we only got one point into this and uh, we'll circle back around. But the title was History or Prophecy. If you do a title, it it's really makes no difference to me. But, you know, Paul is transitioning his focus in the book. We understand that the, the point of the book of 1 Corinthians was a rebuke to the church. But he does uh, end the book up in a different tone. You know, he, he sends it out as a rebuke, and then he answers some questions in the middle part of the book, and then now he's kind of transitioning, and uh, he has this little this little excerpt in, in, in chapter 10, and then he will uh, very quickly switch over to uh, really start to te- teach some deeper doctrine. So it's not just a letter of rebuke. He does say, hey, you need to get your head on straight, y'all. You know, that's my words, not his. But he's like, hey, you need to get this figured out. Uh, but he does end the book with, okay, let me... Let me download some info to y'all. He starts talking about spiritual gifts, and uh, there's this entire chapter of, you know, really breaks down the resurrection, uh, all these different things. And so there's some really important stuff. It's not just a, a letter of, hey, y'all are a bunch of knotheads. You know, he starts there, but he's like, hey, if you would get right and get back on track, uh, repent and get your ways right, then, hey, there's some things that we can get figured out. And so anyway, we're in we're in First Corinthians chapter 10. And <laughs> the question I asked was, how do we keep yesterday's history from becoming tomorrow's prophecy, right? How do we keep the things of yesterday from being tomorrow's news is, you know, what we're getting at. And, you know, we all know that, you know, Master Shifu said, you know, you know yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery, but today's a present, right? <laughs> you know, but anyway, that's actually not a, that, that's a quote from, uh, from, well, it's a quote from Kung Fu Panda, but that's not where it came from. Uh, I actually looked it up. I don't remember who it was, but it's actually a, a quote from history. But, of course, we know it from Kung Fu Panda. Uh, so, anyway, that's the joys of having young children. Um, so, anyway, I, I had seven ways we can keep yesterday's history from coming to tomorrow's prophecy. And the first one is the only thing we got through last week. And uh, let me just read the first five verses. It says, Moreover, brethren... So he's like, I'm continuing on from what I had just said. I would not that you should be ignorant. 
And he doesn't say dumb. He says ignorant. There's a difference there. Uh, how that our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea. And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and the sea. And did eat the same spiritual meat and did drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. The rock, capital R, was Christ. Uh, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Right? And so uh, the first way to keep yesterday's history from becoming basically tomorrow's news is don't assume that God's provision is the same thing as God's blessing. And we spent a long time here last week, and I just want to recap for just a minute, and then we're going to move forward. Because there's really something here. And actually, as I even meditated on it more throughout this past week, there's a lot here. You know, don't, don't assume that God's provision is the same thing as God's blessing. God provides that he will provide for you, right? It says in the Gospels that, you know, you're, you will have a place to lay your head. It might not be where you want it to be. You will have something to put in your belly. It might not be what you want it to be. Like, he will provide the, the essentials. And we went through the history of the nation of Israel last week, so I'm not going to go to all these verses, but... You know, he says brethren, meaning uh, he's not just talking to the Jews, but he's talking to uh, the church here. And, you know, he says that how you were under the cloud. Remember, there was the cloud that led them uh, by day and then the, the, the pillar of fire by night. And that's 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 what he's referencing here. He was providing for them. So that's the cloud that he's referencing. And then he says how you pass through the sea. We, we looked at the references last week. That's the Red Sea, how he parted the Red Sea. So they had a way to escape. That was God's provision uh, for them. And then he says that you did eat that spiritual meat, which was what? It was the manna that fell from the sky. You know, everybody's like, yes, God's providing for us. And then what happens? After a few days, they're like, man, can we have something other than manna? Well, no, this is what I'm providing. This is what you got, right? And he says, I will give you that spiritual meal and you will drink that spiritual drink. He provided the, the water from the rock. You know, and when we also looked when Moses was like, hey, watch this. I'll hit it twice and see what happened. Well, it didn't work out so well for him. But anyway, you know, so God's providing spiritual meat, spiritual drink. All of those things are God's provision. And we spent... Quite a bit of time here last week, so I'm just going to glaze over this and we're going to move on. But God will provide a lot of things in your life. And there's even times that you might feel like things are going really well in life. Uh, I feel like, you know, things are, are happening. Things are moving and grooving. Uh, you know, I, I've got a job and you know, my kids are growing or, or whatever. And you might feel like, you know, God's really blessing my life. Make sure you can differentiate the difference between blessing and provision. God promises to provide for you. Um, but... He doesn't always provide the th- your promise that there's going to be blessing that comes with it. And so you need to uh, you need to not assume that God's provision is the same thing as blessing. Because what? Blessing comes when? When there's obedience tied to it. When God says, hey, do this, and you're like, yes, sir. When he's like, hey, do this. Uh, hey, Abram, I want you to go sacrifice your son. Okay, if that's what you want me to do. Hey, no, I want you to go build a boat. Okay, that's what I'll do. Over and over again in the Bible, he's like, hey, go do this. And they're like, okay, I'll do it. Blessing comes when there's obedience, right? Provision comes because why? Because you are God's child. He promises that he'll do that. But don't just assume that because, well, God's providing, so I must be in the, in the right will of God. That's not always the truth. And so I'm not here to call anybody out. These are things you need to evaluate in your own life. But just make sure that you're not assuming that the provision is the same thing as blessing. And go back. I, we had 45 minutes last week of talking through this. So go back and listen to that if you need to catch that because there was a lot of good stuff there. But the more you think through that and you start to think through the things that are going on in your life, don't just assume that you know, because God's not striking you with lightning that you must be like in the will of God. Uh, don't tempt God. We'll get there. Um, but anyway, so that's how this thing starts. So then he goes on to say the second way that we can keep this from happening is uh, we need to don't fall. We need to don't fall. Don't fall into idolatry. That's the next thing we see in verse six and seven. Uh, he says, now these things were our examples. These things happened to the nation of Israel so that we could learn from them. Uh, 
to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as some of them, uh, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Again, we're going to flip back and forth a little bit today because I want you to see what he's referencing. Paul is using the history of the nation of Israel to teach what he's teaching here. But the the next thing we need to that we can keep things from you know basically yesterday's mistakes from happening tomorrow. Don't fall into idolatry. Exodus 32 uh, verses six to eight. This is what he's referencing when he says that. And I'll just read this. Um, but Exodus 32 verses six to eight says. Uh, and they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings into the people and sat down uh, to eat and to drink and rose up to play. That's funny. That's the same phrase. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people which thou have brought us out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I have commanded them. Uh, they have made a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and have said, uh, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. So here's what has happened. They have just gotten out of Egypt. Uh, they have just gotten out of uh, slavery. And uh, they crossed the Red Sea. Uh, and God calls Moses up to Mount Sinai, right? He's like, hey, I've got some things I want to download unto you. Uh, I want to I get you uh, some info. So he goes up into the mount. And it's taken a little longer than maybe he thought it was going to. And the people, they get restless. And they're like, well, we don't know what's going on with Moses up in the mountain. Who knows what happened to him? Uh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to make our own. God, we're going to we're going to make this molten calf. Everybody, you know, they're like, hey, Aaron, uh, gather, you know, an earring from everybody. Get some gold. You know, obviously I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to melt this stuff down. We're going to make our own God. And so what happens is they do this and they've got this. Who knows what it looks like? You know, they, it's, it's called a molten calf, but uh, they're doing this and they're worshiping it. And so God's like, uh Moses, here's the deal. We're not done here, but you need to go take care of this because these people, uh, they are they are tempting me. They are asking uh, for for something to happen here. They're asking for for my wrath to come upon them. We need to not fall into idolatry. It then goes on to say in verse 17 of the same chapter. So that's kind of what's happening. But in verse 17, it says, And when Joshua heard the noise of the people, they shouted and said unto Moses, uh, There was a noise of war in the camp. Like these people were really stoked about what they had done. They were really proud of themselves. And then in verse 19, as then it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh into the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger was waxed hot. And he cast the tables out of his hands and break them uh, beneath the mount. Moses was so... Moses was so hacked off with what he saw when he comes down out of the mount that he took the words of God that he had given him on the, the tables of stone and he just tosses them. Probably wasn't his best idea, you know, but I'm sure we've all been there where something has happened in life and maybe anger has kind of taken control. Hopefully we, we can't point too many things out, but like... We've kind of forgotten what God is saying. We're just like, I'm going to take care of this in, in my own way. And God's like, it's probably what you shouldn't have done, Moses. You know, he takes care of Moses, you know, over here on the side. But it's just like a trickle down effect of how God was feeling through this whole thing of how God was like, what in the world is happening right now? These people had just had some of the most amazing miracles that God has ever done happen in their lives. They saw them with their own eyes. And yet they're still like, and I don't know where God's even at. And so, like, obviously the practical application is like, we sometimes don't see with our own eyes the blatant miracles that God does. We just have to, you know, see, see them through the word. We have to see them actually happen in our life, but maybe not like the seas parting. We still can't fall into idolatry. We still can't be the ones that, and so when we talk about idolatry, you're like, okay, well, I'm not like, I'm not worshiping things. You know, I've, I've been to India and, 
it's some of the craziest things you've ever seen. Like when you talk about worshiping gods, you get in their cars, and for one, it's 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 an interesting deal. But like across the dash of their car, uh, they've got all these different like little trinkets or whatever that they're actually they worship these things. They're gods to them. Uh, they've got garlands. They've got all these things hanging from their cars. We were we were driving uh, the the taxi driver or whoever it was was driving us. And if you drive by a temple, they roll down their window and they like toss out change. I'm like, what the, I asked uh, the guy that we were there with, what are they doing? He's like, they, they, they feel like if they don't offer to the, the temple as they go by, then uh, they're going to have the wrath of their God come down on them. It's so weird. And so we look at that and we're like, okay, well, we don't do that. So what are you talking about? Idolatry to us is a little different. Idolatry to us is uh, the kind of car we drive. It is the kind of house we live in, right? It is the things that we have. Uh, it is people. We idolatry. Uh, we, 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 uh, Idolize. I was going to say idolatrize, and I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Uh, we idolize people. Uh, we we think, man, if I could just be more like that. Or and sometimes it's okay to like have a godly person in your life that is like, hey, I want to emulate them. Paul says in First Corinthians 11, one, follow me as I follow Christ. But like, if you're just saying, hey, I want what they have, they don't deserve that. Okay, well, that's where something has, has gotten awry here. So we we uh, idolize people. Uh, this happens a lot. We we set our kids up on this pedestal where my kid is, man. They are the God to me. Uh, you know, and it's one thing to like go to your kids' sporting events or, or things like that. But like when you start to sacrifice the things of God because, uh, your kid is now the God in your life, then there's a problem. And this happens a lot. Uh, we idolize our marriage sometimes. We put our marriage above God, which that's a, that's a hard line because we understand that that's like our first priority on earth other than being a follower of Christ. But at the same time, if, if my marriage ever becomes more than my relationship with Christ, then my marriage is never going to be what it needs to be. Uh, we idolize our job sometimes. You know, some of us are like, man, I don't, not at all. Uh, but some of us really like what we do. I love what I do. Um, I still, it can't come before anything that comes before God, our hobbies, right? Swinging a golf club, you know, uh, chasing antlers in the, in the woods, whatever it is. And I mean, I get it. We all do, you know, sometimes we do these things. It's okay to have hobbies. You know, I, I, I was kind of smitten by the Lord because I think I said something in one of the times I taught here last weekend. Last week was really busy, but uh, Tyler, uh, my best friend in the Lord, he's like, hey, you should be careful about, and he was giving me a hard time, but I kind of took it as a rebuke, not from him, but from the Lord. He's like, you can't be on everybody's case for having hobbies just because we don't have any, right? <laughs> he's like, you can't be mad at other people for having a hobby just because you don't have one. And I'm like, there's, there's probably some truth to that. You know, it's, it's like, you know, just because you actually do have a little bit of time to go and do things that you enjoy, that's okay. You know, just don't worship it. You know, and he, what he said made a lot of sense because it's like, what's that? Yeah, that's, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy because I mean, I get it. You know, people do things. They, they like to hunt. You know, it's something you enjoy doing. That's fine. You like to, to golf. You like to do whatever it is. And, you know, uh, you know, people around here, they like to shoot. They like to, you know, ladies like to shop or, or whatever it is that ladies like to do. I really don't even know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, y'all must like it. There's Amazon's busy around here. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm just kidding. It's not bad to have things that you enjoy doing. You just can't. It can't, it can't come before God. Uh, too often, religion becomes an idol to us. You might be like, how does that happen? I'm just saying. Uh, there's a lot of people that their quote unquote religion is is an idol, and God's nowhere in it. Uh, ministry sometimes. Ooh, 
that's even hits close to home. Ministry sometimes can become an idol. If if God's not the focal point of everything that you're doing, then man, you need to re, you need to, to observe that thing. Just check it out. Make sure uh, it's not out of out of order. So anyway, we, we don't want to fall into idolatry. I'm not saying that you guys are you know chasing little little gods, but you know it, it's okay to enjoy things. Uh, I enjoy watching uh, football on TV. Right? Uh, I don't do it very often, but I, I enjoy it. Right? It, just make sure that nothing is getting in the way of God, whatever it is in your life. And so don't fall into idolatry. He goes on to say in verse 8 of uh, Genesis, or not Genesis, whoa, I'm not even in in close to Genesis. Uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 8, it says, Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Right? So, uh, what? That's a lot of people, right? Don't fall into fornication. Uh, what he's referencing is in the book of Numbers, right? Uh, this happened. Uh, the book of Numbers, uh, chapter 25, verses 1 to 9. I'll, I'll be quick here, but you know this happens. Uh, Numbers 25, verses 1 to 9 says, And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people... An, uh, unto the, the sacrifice of their gods, and people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself into uh, Baal Perot, uh, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord might be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one uh, his men that were joined into Baal Peor. I can't, that's, anyway. And, and behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses, in the sight of all the congregation of the, uh, the, the children of Israel who, who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, uh, the priest, uh, Aaron, 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 <laughs> you done messed up, Aaron. <laughs> It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> he saw it. He rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. Don't mess up the story. This is really good. And he went into the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman, through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. And those that died in the plague were 20 and 4,000. So here's what's going on. What? Good story. Hey, here's what's going on. Uh, Basically, they're not supposed to be cohabiting uh, with the people of the land. God's like, hey, you are a chosen people. Uh, let's keep it within the tribe, okay? And so that's basically what he's saying. And so uh, they get there and they're like, hey, but, you know, it's, it'll be all right. And so they start having uh, uh, relations, relations uh, unmarried relations with uh, the people of, of the land. And so uh, God's not cool with it. He's like, hey, Moses, you need to do something about this because uh, my wrath's getting ready to come down. And he, he's uh, so Moses is like, what are we going to do? And so he basically says, hey, we can't have this in the camp. Somebody needs to, you know, take care of this. And so uh, he's like, every every uh, Israel, Israelitish man, every uh, Israelite who is a man that's, that's doing this uh, needs to be killed, right? Get him out of the camp. Obviously, like, totally different from the, the system we live in today. Like, this isn't like, take this and... Definitely not, but this was like the law of the nation of Israel at the time. Okay, so don't, sometimes you can't just translate it to the New Testament. The point is like, God is doing something here, and, uh, fornication is fornication even today. And so he says, uh, 
you need to take care of this. And so, you know, he calls out this guy and he's like, he's got this Midianitish woman in his tent. I don't think that they were just like warming up by the fire, uh, since, you know, one javelin went through both of them, but you can get the picture of what's going on here. And it says that you know, like it, it basically stays, uh, the, the, the plague or, or, or what do they call it? The, uh, the, the anger of the Lord, right? And not the plague, but he says that it, 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 Basically, the anger of the Lord was kindled because of this. And so we can't fall into idolatry because God's not cool with that. And I know that the world we live in today is like, oh, it's not really that bad. I'm just saying from the place where I stand as far as a uh, quote-unquote um, leader in the church or somebody that, that sits down with people in counseling, and uh, whether it be marriage counseling or you know just life counseling, and um, God is not cool with fornication in your life. And everybody who thinks it's no big deal... Um, nearly every time you will end up in the counseling office because the thing that you thought was no big deal has come back to haunt you over and over and over again. And every time people are like, well, it wasn't really, we didn't think it was that big of a deal. I'm just saying nearly every time married people come in and uh, they've got issues with, you know, relations in their marriage, you know, whether it be extramarital affairs, whether it just be uh, trust issues, whether it just be whatever it is in your marriage. And what do you come to find out when you boil it all down? Well, I mean, yeah, we we were doing this when we probably shouldn't have been. And oh, that's, that's interesting. Uh, these things always come back. And for everybody who's like, oh, it's no big deal. I'm just saying, like, I can't even count the amount of times that I've I've seen this happen. And so... Like Lorelai's like, man, listen up, right? Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm, there's something here. So we can't fall into fornication. Uh, Shittim, the, the, the place that they're at in Numbers, it says that they came to Shittim. Uh, Shittim is a picture of the world, right? And so here's what we need to understand. When you quote-unquote abide in the world, because it says they, they, they had went and they had settled in Shittim, is what it says. Uh, and it says, in, in Israel abode in Shittim, that word abode. When you abide in the world, the ways of the world start to seem okay in the eyes of the Christian. When you abide in the world, they start to seem not so bad. Why do you think the things that seemed absolutely outlandish 30 years ago really aren't that bad today to most people? Even most quote-unquote Christians. It's because you're abiding in the world. And so it begs the question, and I'm not here to uh, speak through conjecture, but what are the things that seem outlandish today that won't seem bad in 30 years, that seem absolutely ridiculous today? Because I'm saying it's happened. Every cycle, every generation of history, this has happened. So what is it that seems like that would never happen? Like, we got people walking around in schools with a tail on, and we're supposed to treat them like it's normal. Have you ever heard uh, what's tolerated by one generation will be widely accepted by the next? Yeah, and I mean, so at what point does God finally say enough is enough? Because Genesis 6, he said enough was enough. And we all say, well, he said he wasn't going to flood the world again. You're right. He did say he was not going to flood the world again. I'm just guessing that God could come up with a different way to take care of uh, the wickedness of man other than a flood if he needed to. I'm just saying. And so, uh, yeah. <laughs> Fire. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I and I'm not I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's a picture here. When you abide in the world, the ways of the world start to seem not so bad. But yet it always seems to come back around. Whether it's Christian counseling, whether it's worldly counseling, it's all the same thing. Fornication tears people up. I'm I'm not saying it. I'm just saying we we must be not of this world. I mean, we, we have to be in it. I mean, we gotta go to work in the world. We have to be in the world, but we don't need to be of the world. 
right? There's a difference. Sojourn. What? Sojourn. Yeah, well, we are, we are sojourners, we're pilgrims, right? Uh, fornication, forn- fornication, fornication will always lead to three things. It will always lead to destruction. Always. Maybe not immediately, but fornication will always lead to destruction. It will always lead to devastation. And eventually it will always lead to death. It over and over and over and over and over and over and over in the Bible. It leads to destruction. It leads to devastation. It tears up relationships. It devastates people. Because people think, well, it was okay, and then all of a sudden, you know, we've got, you know, that's where, you know, broken marriage, all these different things. Destruction, devastation, and death every time. Fornication is wicked, y'all. It is messed up. We've talked about this several times. What is fornication? Is any sexual sin outside of marriage, right? And so, because any sexual sin inside of marriage is then called adultery, not idolatry, adultery. It's the same things. It is just adultery when you're married. So, messed up things. Okay. Um, you know, do you think the people in uh, Corinth were like, hey, maybe we should take heed to this? You know, since a few chapters ago he was calling out some dude from sleeping with his uh, stepmom. Was it stepmom? Is that right? Uh, he, he, he's, yeah. He's sleeping with his father's wife. Not his mother, obviously, but, uh, so I'm saying, like, people are, they're taking heed to what he's saying because fornication is running rampant. I would say the culture we live in is very similar. Anyway, messed up. There's, there's no, there's no false words coming out of your mouth right now. Fornication is messed up, y'all. That's all I'm going to say. It will always lead to destruction, devastation, and death. I'm just... Every time. Every time you hear somebody say, it's not that big a deal, you don't understand. And every single time I've heard somebody say that, eventually they come back and they're like, man, you were right. You're right. God's batting a thousand here, but maybe you're the outlier. Maybe so. I'll just go for it, man, I guess. If you're going to be lost, live lost. Because this is all you got. But I'm just saying, maybe you should consider... I don't know. People just, it just doesn't make sense to me sometimes. We gotta get on. Uh, verse 9. So he says, uh, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed, uh, and, and fell in one day, uh, three and twenty thousand. Verse 9 says, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted him and were restored to the serpents. Right? Don't let us tempt Christ. Uh, I'll fast forward real quick back to, to, to Numbers. I gotta keep getting moving here, but, uh, uh, Numbers chapter, uh, 21. They were tempting Christ. Again, he's using the, the history of the nation of Israel to teach us something. In, in 21 ver- Numbers 21, verses 4 to 6 says, uh, And they journeyed uh, from Mount Hor uh, by the way of the Red Sea to compass uh, to, to compass the, the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Where have they, uh, wherefore have ye brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loatheth this light bread. We don't like this stuff anymore. Can't we have something other than just manna? That's what they're saying. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people. As much of the peop- uh, and much of the people of Israel died. Uh, therefore, when the people uh, came to Moses and said, "We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee." Pray unto the Lord that he might take the serpents uh, 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 from us. And Moses uh, prayed for the people. So they get out of the land, and what do they do? They start murmuring, like, we should just go back to slavery. It was so much better there. Yes, because life in slavery is so much better. right? Over and over, this happens 
over and over and over again. They're like, would we just went, go back to Egypt? Why'd you ever bring us here, Moses? What are you doing, Moses? Why? We don't have anything to eat. We don't have anything to drink. This manna, it's not that good. Hey, you ever been hungry? No, we haven't. I'll just be honest with you. You might think so. Like usually about noon, I'm like, oh my gosh, Brian, you gotta, you gotta wrap it up because I am starving. And I'm like, no, I've never been hungry. We went to Nepal one time. I went to uh, the orphanage that Pastor Rajan has. You've probably heard of Pastor Rajan around here, but uh, he's got this orphanage of little boys, and uh, they were telling us stories of how they found these guys. And they found this little boy uh, in the jungle. Uh, you might think jungle in Nepal. Yeah, they found him in the jungle because there are jungles in Nepal. It's not just mountains. Uh, <laughs> no, not not that one. <laughs> I was trying to think of the kid's name, but I can't remember. Like, I knew it started with an M. Yeah. Anyway, no. So anyway, uh, they're telling us the story of this this kid, and uh, obviously, uh, because this is what happens there, uh, dad dies, uh, so mom's left with the kids, and uh, mom can't remarry uh, because if she has kids, then no man will remarry her there, because you know it's just like, why? I don't want to take your kids on, and so uh, she basically decided to to survive. She would abandon her kids. Uh, and so she could get remarried to this dude, which is wicked all in its own, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. So, uh, they tell us about this kid and, um, they, they, they get him and they bring him to the orphanage. They find him somehow and, uh, come to find out he had been, uh, eating sand out of the riverbed so that he had something in his belly. Like it took months to like get all of this out of their, the system and everything. And like, when we think, man, I'm hungry. You don't understand what like hunger is. We don't understand that in this part of the world. We, we, Praise the Lord, we probably never will, at least where we live. But I'm just saying, like, there's some wicked stuff. And so the nation of Israel is like, we don't like this food. And and God's like, okay, I'm tired of hearing this. Here's some serpents. Uh, Deal with this for a minute and tell me what you don't like. The the point here is we, we we can't tempt Christ. So how do we do that today? How do we tempt God today? Because obviously we're not like, I don't like the food you give us, God, or whatever. We don't, obviously, I'm not saying that's what we're doing. Let me give you an example of what this looks like. Because I do see this. I see this a lot. We take his word for truth when it comes to salvation, but the, we treat the rest of it like an allegory. We treat the rest of it al- allegorical. Yeah, I'll take your salvation. That sounds really good. You mean I can get into heaven and I, I, there's no work involved? Yes, I'll take that. That's great. Um, but we treat the rest of it like an allegory. Like, well, I don't really, that doesn't really apply to me. That, that's for somebody else. That's for a different dispensation. That's for a different time. That's for a different group of people. And, and we, it doesn't really matter to me. I'll, I'll take the parts that I like, but the rest of it, that probably really didn't even happen. You know what you're doing when you do that? You're tempting God. You're asking. You know, it's, it's like going out on the beach uh, in, in a thunderstorm and holding up a lightning rod. That's what you're doing when you're saying, yeah, I'll take all the good, but when it comes to the things that might, really might cause me to evaluate my life, well, that's, that doesn't really apply to me. That's exactly right. We're handing one one person out of the fifteen hundred bags that we handed out on Halloween uh, said, "I don't want your propaganda." I'll take your free hot dog. Yeah. I don't want your propaganda. And I'm like, praise the Lord. I'll take your free salvation. I, I want you. I want you to. I want you to know what we're here for. Praise the Lord. When you know the truth, but choose not to live the truth, you're tempting God. Because in theory, here's what you're doing: you're looking Him in the face and you're saying, "What are you going to do about it?" 
When you know what the Word of God says about something, whether it be fornication like we just talked about, whether it be idolatry, whether it be whatever it is that you know God has said to you in your life, hey, you need to get this right. And when you know what it says and you say, I don't really care. What you are in theory doing is saying, God, what are you going to do about it? That's not a place I want to be in my life. If that's where you're at, Make sure you're not really that close to me because I know how lightning can transfer sometimes. I don't need that in my life. I'm just saying, that's what we do. That's what we do. It's it's not a good place to be. Verse 10. I'm going to finish. Uh, he says, Neither murmur you against some uh, that also murmured and were destroyed to the destroyer. Right? Uh, the references here, I'm trying to read them, uh, but Exodus 16, verses 2 to 3. Exodus 17, verses 2 to 3. Numbers 14, 2. A really good one, uh, Numbers fourteen twenty-seven to twenty-eight. The people are just murmuring. Why would God bring us here? We don't have everything we need, and it just—you know what it sounds like? Murmur, murmur, murmur. It's just terrible. It's just like nobody wants to hear that. You can't murmur against God. How do you keep yourself from murmuring? How do you keep yourself from from getting to a place where you're just like, I'm just discontent. I'm just like because we all get there eventually. At, at times, we all get to a place where we're just like, I'm just not, I'm just not feeling it, right? And, and what, what it basically just means you, you're discontent. How do you keep from getting that way as a Christian? Because we all get there. I've been there. I've been there in places where it's just like, I'm just here, right? And it's just like, I, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm not like not doing the things I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm just not like, blah, right? You, I've been there. How do you keep that? Because this happens where we live in the U.S. Like, we are blessed. You need to focus on the things that you do have. Focus on the blessings that you do have. We start looking around and we're like, man, that person's, they've got it. That's the, God's really blessing them and they've got that. And we start to, we, you know, our head's on a swivel, not the way it ought to be. We're looking at everything else. And you need to focus on the blessings you do have. And you got something to eat, I promise. You've got water. You know, when you got in the shower this morning or last night or whenever when you turned it on, you know, what's really cool is you can turn it so far and the water gets hot. There's places in the world that doesn't happen. If you've ever taken a cold shower when it's cold outside, you know what I'm talking about. That trip I went to to Nepal, the the place we stayed was supposed to have hot water and it didn't. And it was like 40 in the room and uh, then it was a cold shower. That was miserable. Oh my gosh, give me a break. It was 60 degrees in our house this morning, and you would have thought it was 20. Paige and Hallie were like, oh my gosh. Anyway, you got to focus on the things you do have. You've got food, you got, you got hot water, you've got family. Look around. If not, you've got a church family right here. You've got a job. You might not like it, but you've got one. It just happens. I'm just saying, we, we murmur. What? Yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's it's messed up. We do. We turn our noses up instead of putting our faces down. That's good. Let me just read the rest of this and we'll be done because I'm over time. You're getting the point. We need to focus. We got to learn from the things that these guys messed up with, because God's like, hey, there's something to learn here. He goes on in, in verse 11 and he says, "Now all these things happened to them for in samples." He's like, I didn't just do this to like put them through a bunch of you know what. Like I did this so y'all could learn from it. Now, all these things happen to them for examples. Uh, notice that it says in samples instead of examples. Do your own study to figure out what that means because there's a difference. And 
and they were uh, they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him think uh, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. The sixth way that you can keep yesterday's history from becoming tomorrow's uh, prophecy: Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. It's pretty simple. Remember where you're at in the pecking order. God is God is on the throne, not you. You know, there was a guy who thought he was going to sit on the throne, and he didn't end up so well for him, right? Who was it that sat at the throne, not a love seat? I have no idea. Uh, I anyway, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, it is God's throne. He sits there, not not you. So uh, don't think more highly of yourself. You ought to think. And the last one, uh, number seven, uh, don't allow your temptation to become a reality. This is where it really circles back around. Verse 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but which is uh, such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, uh, but will will but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you might be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak unto, as unto wise men, judge you what I say. Basically what he says in verse 15 is, I said what I said. <laughs> he says, I said what I said. You heard me. What are you going to do? Like, I said what I said. And there's a lot to say here, and I might circle back around next week and hit this, but uh, God will tempt you. Some people are like, God doesn't tempt you. It, it, it says he, he won't tempt you over what you are able, but he will tempt you. He wants to see what you'll do in certain situations. He wants to know, uh, you know, you're going to be tried by fire. You know, over and over again in Scripture, he does tempt, but he doesn't tempt us so that we can fall. He tempts us so that we can see what he can actually do inside of us. There's a point there. And so don't allow the temptation to become a reality. You are able to overcome it because you have Christ inside of you. It's not you. It is Christ that can do it. So uh, let's pray. We gotta, we got to get done. Uh, Father, I love you. I thank you for today. Uh, Lord, you're good. I pray that some of these things would really just kind of hit close to home. Lord, I pray that we're not idolatrous. I pray that we don't find ourselves in some sort of wicked fornication. Lord, I pray that we're not murmuring against you, that we're not tempting you, because, God, sometimes we do. Lord, I pray that we would see the blessings that we actually do have in our life, and especially in the season uh, that we're coming into with the holidays and spending time with family and all the things, God, I pray that we would really see the blessing that we have in our life. Um, Lord, we know you're going to provide, but I pray that we wouldn't confuse that with blessing because we really do have blessing. Uh, and I pray that we would just see you uh, for who you are and that you are on the throne, Lord, and we just we, we need to really keep you in that proper place in our heart. So I pray you just speak to us today. Uh, bless the baptisms that are going to happen here in just a little bit that you would get all the honor and the glory in Christ's name. Amen.